Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. This baseball show is presented by BetMGM. Full read from Peter in a moment. We got to talk about Ronald Acuna getting bum-rushed by two fans in Coors. Uh, We got to talk about Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Harrison putting together exceptional outings, both at their home ballpark. Uh, And then you've got the level of worry in Texas, too. I mean, we talked about the greatness of Seattle recently with Arm yesterday, but you know, now we got to get into the other flip of the coin, the slide of the Texas Rangers. And then our Leo Morgan Stern, one of our editors at JustBaseball.com, put together a wonderful power rankings of the top 15 relievers uh, that are on postseason contenders. But before all that, Peter Apple, we are brought to you by The Loaded Show, ladies and gentlemen. And we are brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up and deposit into your newly created account using promo code JustBaseball. Download the BetMGM app on iOS or Android, or visit betmgm.com. Place your first bet offer and receive up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If it loses, if the bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled. I feel like we should go over the non-baseball news first that happened in guaranteed rate field of something that happened. Yeah, baseball adjacent. Um, There was a shooting at Guaranteed Right Field in the bleachers last Friday, I want to say it was. Um, My parents were actually at the ball game. They left after seven. Shooting happened the eighth. So as soon as I saw that um, that night, I called my mom. I was like, were you guys in the ballpark for that? And she was like, no, we left. But notice like the outfielder, if you if you happen to see the video, 
like notice the outfielder didn't even turn and, and look at what was going on, but apparently there were a couple of shots fired. There was one person that was shot, but not injured. Um, there was one person who was grazed by a bullet. And then there was one person that was hit in the leg. Um, but thankfully everybody's okay. Now there were a couple of hospital visits, but this is from Peggy Kaczynski who was on ESPN 1000, which is the White Sox flagship. She tweeted, quote, as I reported on ESPN 1000 just now, the shooting at guaranteed rate field during a White Sox game was indeed an accidental discharge by one of the women, quote, grazed by the bullet. She reportedly snuck the gun in past metal detectors, hiding it in the folds of her belly fat. So that's interesting in its own right, and we're not going to get into that. But we will get into a gun making its way into a major league ballpark. Why? How? There are metal detectors. That's kind of crazy that she snuck it through. Um, and this just like sucks that this is a story. There shouldn't be guns in ballparks from people that don't have, you know, the right to carry with their job, like a police officer. Thankfully, nobody was hurt. Nobody seems to have, you know, lasting injuries. So I feel like I can make this joke. And I hope it doesn't offend anybody. But sneaking a gun in your belly fat into a baseball game sounds very American. Very American. Um, Did you ever see Get Him to the Greek? Yes, but a long time ago. So that was Russell Brand and And Jonah Jonah Hill. Hill? It was Jonah Hill. So Get Him to the Greek is a hilarious movie. And Russell Brand wants Jonah Hill to sneak... I think it's cocaine through the metal detector through TSA and he shoves it up his butt. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, here we go. But like, that's Coke and it's a movie. Like this is kind of real life, like hiding a a gun in your rolls. That's bizarre. Very bizarre. At least it was accidental. I'm trying to find the bright light of this one. I don't know. Don't bring a gun into a ballpark. Um, And also don't attack Ronald Acuna Jr. I was going to say, nice transition. I was going to say, yeah, don't bum rush an MVP, not front runner, now MVP contender, because Mookie is the odds-on favorite. But yeah, Acuna rushed by two different fans at Coors Field. One of them literally, like, tackled him in excitement. That was scary. That was not only scary, first of all, the two guys hugging, but how about when security was trying to get them to leave? They wouldn't leave. These both of them were fighting back. They were like throwing punches they kept running back and Acuna sitting there probably incredibly afraid I mean you're just out there by yourself and the security takes a while to get over you and you just got fans rushing into you to give you a big bear hug they even knocked him down on the ground you can find the clip on our Instagram it's from at 44 Billy G on Twitter Billy Grossman he took a video at Coors Field in the bleachers and we got a great view of it. So if you want to see that video, go check out our Instagram where the footage is. But I was shocked. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. So obviously, like we've had streaker and they're not streakers because like they're not naked, I guess. You've had runners on the field that go to a player and like want to give them a high five. But like not the way, tackle. No, not tackle. And the way that they were yeah, fighting back like this. One guy's being dragged out towards the wall and he's flailing his legs, trying to like climb over the security guard to get back to him. And and I was trying to figure out like, do they want to hurt him? Do they want to hug him? I, I, couldn't I, couldn't figure it figure, out. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Like 
if they got to Acuna, if they did succeed in their mission to get away from security, what were they going to do? And like, that's the most terrifying part. Right after COVID, right when crowd restrictions got limited in the NBA, we saw a lot of fan player interactions where fans were throwing shit at players and treating them like zoo animals. If I'm a Cunha in that situation, I feel like such a zoo animal. And that's so degrading and sad. And like, this isn't the first time we're talking about this kind of thing. I also respect Acuna for his reaction, right? The first fan comes up and gives him a bear hug and he kind of just puts his arm out and he's like, I'm not touching him. Like, I'm not trying to do anything to this guy. I would have stuck the shit out of him. I know. Then the guy gets dragged off and then another dude comes in running 10 to 15 miles an hour, probably 15 beers in and tackles him, pushes him to the ground. And Acuna kind of stands up. Thankfully, wasn't injured at all, stayed in the game. And the Braves won 14 to four. And he also had an incredible game that day. Home run that was at 112 miles an hour that just soared over the right field fence. Played great that day. Seems fine. But I've never seen a clip like that before. I've never seen fans that aggressive. I mean, I also, do we know if they were Braves fans? I think that's the most confusing thing, too. We don't know whether they were going after him. It seemed like they loved him. It seemed like the first one was like trying to almost take a selfie with Acuna. Did you notice that? Yeah, or like something. There was something going on. Very hard. Two fans rushed Ronald Acuna, and it was just bizarro. And yeah, he handled it incredibly well, but he shouldn't have to handle anything like that. Which exactly. is exactly that's why I was. I had a lot of respect for him. Like yeah. you said, I would. You would have stuck him. I probably would have done it too. And it's not even. Oh, I'm gonna get angry at a fan. It's like a reaction. Yeah. Right, the dude's running after it's you. Self defense probably, tactics. Yeah, probably smells like Coors Light. Probably smells horrible. Think about it. So you say fifteen beers. I say at altitude, it probably only took five or six. Might have been fifteen beers at altitude, which means thirty. <laughs> which means thirty. <laughs> it's like if you have a sandwich, the bread expands if you have water to follow. <laughs> so um, the thing yeah. is, it could have it could have been a Rockies fan because for some reason they're still going out there watching that team. They're always like top 10 and a 10. Top half and a 10. I actually respect the shit out of Rockies fans for that. Yeah. They just released Profar too. Like I, they're making big things happen. Hunter Goodman up. Hunter Goodman looked kind of gas. So yeah, Nolan uh, Jones has been good. Michael Toglia had a decent day. It's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> yeah. um, Acuna is going to go 30 60. And Mookie Betts is now the odds on favorite. I know you guys talked about Mookie at the end of last week and, and Freddie Freeman's hitting 340, by the way. He might clip a rise if a rise continues this cold stretch he's on. I think Freddie's within eight points of a rise in the batting average department right now. Yep. Um yep. I mean Acuna could be the first guy ever to go 30-60. He will be the first guy ever to go 30-60. And he could very well, if he kind of limps to the finish line, finish third in NL MVP voting. It will be very disappointing for Braves fans if they have the best record in Major League Baseball. They have arguably one of baseball's best offenses, not only in the 21st century, but all time. They have Spencer Strider, who might be the first pitcher to have 300 Ks in a long while. And Ronald Acuna Jr. might already stole his 60th base yesterday, and he's at 29 home runs. So he will be 30-60. I think he could be 35-70, and they don't have an MVP, and they don't have this Cy Young, and they won't have the Rookie of the Year either. I, I think Snit needs to win Manager of the Year. 
but there are other candidates in the National League. So I Corey think Smith, um, like look at what the Diamondbacks have been able to do. Right. Yeah. I mean, David Ross should be in that conversation of the Craig Cubs Council. Game. Thompson, Rob Thompson, like there are so many yeah. options right now. So it's really no shoeing that they take home any end of year award except a World Series trophy. And it takes a month of great ball to win a World Series trophy. And the best team doesn't always win. We've seen that all the time. We saw it in the College World Series where Wake Forest was the number one seed. Best team in college baseball. They did not win it. And there's Braves fans angry we wrote a article on just baseball.com and i understand it from a braves point of view because you watch acuna every day but at the same time braves fans don't act like i wasn't watching that game either we saw what ronald acuna jr did in the outfield when the ball went went up in the air and it dropped right in front of him that's why mookie Betts has a 7.3 f war and ronald acuna is at 6.2 below freddie freeman how about offense the best offensive stat we have wrc plus mookie's at 173 Cunha's at 162 what about OPS on base plus slugging? Mookie Betts is at a 1,018. Acuna is at a 980. He's got like four. Has, and I saw your Mookie tweet. has more home runs. Yeah, I saw your tweet. It was Mookie has the lead over Acuna in war, in OPS, in WRC plus, and in homers. And those could be the four biggest things that MVP voters do look at like the modern batting average too but then you look at freddie freeman who's also close in all of those areas to acuna so so it's really at the same time like let's not unappreciate no he's easy he has been a freaking amazing day in and day out but we got to clean up the defense here folks the arm is a rifle but can we catch some fly balls I mean, I think if he was just an average right fielder this season by the numbers, he would have the lead over Mookie, yes. or at least right there. He's just been a really bad defender all year. And no matter how many stolen bases you have, if you're a full win above replacement worse than Mookie Betts, who's also on a first-place Dodgers team, who's also 12 and a half games up in their division, Snicker might not even get it. It might be Dave Roberts. <laughs> it won't be Dave Roberts, I don't think. Look at all the injuries to the Dodgers this year, especially in their starting rotation. By the way, Gonsolin, Gonsolin, CJ is tough. I Tony Gonsolin is going to be out until probably the end of next season. Can we stop talking about Tommy Johnson? Fuck, it's so depressing. It's so crazy. It's, it's so just crazy. yeah. All right, let's talk Grayson Rodriguez now. Yes. Um, rookie pitchers showed out on Monday night, and a guy that did it was Grayson Rodriguez. Six innings, one hit, no runs, struck out six, walked one, got through six and 96 pitches against the lowly Chicago White Sox. But this is the number that I really appreciate, not that he bullied the crap out of a bad, lethargic team. Um, underdog fantasy underdog MLB, their page puts out some great splits. And remember G rod went down to triple a Norfolk for about mm, a month, six weeks. His yeah, first, he, old, yeah. his last start in major league baseball before he got sent down was on May 26th against the Rangers where he went three and a third and allowed eight earned. Then he made his first start back from triple a on July 17th allowed four earned against the Dodgers. And ever since then, he has been one of the better right-handed pitchers in Major League Baseball. So 11 starts before getting optioned. 
He had a 7-3-3 ERA and opponents were hitting 3-10 against him. Since he's come back from AAA in seven starts, this guy has a 2-3-2 ERA and opponents are hitting a buck 76 against him. And I like that Underdog pointed out the the cutter usage going down dramatically it was a terrible pitch, so he scrapped it pretty much entirely. But there's a lot more than that, I think. And it's where his misses are. His misses were middle-middle. Um, and there were some cookies that were getting laid in. And with a guy with this much talent, you can't be giving Major League hitters cookies. And now he isn't. I think we're seeing the best version of Grayson Rodriguez, which is an ace in Major League Baseball as a rookie. And in the last seven starts, Grayson Rodriguez is pitching like an ace. And if you just look at his fastball in a vacuum yesterday, some of the most effortless 100-mile-an-hour fastballs on the corners you will ever see in your effing life. It was so easy for him to obliterate the White Sox. He looks like a completely different pitcher from the first stint in Major League Baseball to the second. And we can look at a couple of starts and look at how he changed his pitch usage, right? Because you talked about the cutter, but there's a couple other things as well. So against the Royals, he allowed six earned in three innings back in May. Same thing against the Angels, except it was eight earned in three innings. Against the Royals, his fastball averaged about 95.4 miles an hour. And against the Angels, 97 miles an hour. There were plenty of cutters. There was a lot less change-ups, less sliders. But in that outing against the White Sox, six innings, one hit, no earned, six Ks, his fastball averaged 98.4 miles an hour. He threw 25 change-ups and 11 sliders. He basically is becoming a three-pitch guy, but he can also give you a taste-breaking curveball, and he was only throwing three cutters. So there's a couple of things. The cutter usage, which the quality of contact against it was terrible, he shelved it. And I like it because Grayson doesn't need five pitches. Grayson needs to focus on the fastball when it's 98 to 100 miles an hour. His changeup and his slider and his curveball, even when he was bad, those pitches were excellent. Like over the full season, opponent batting averages against those breaking balls, all under 200. It was the fastball early on in the cutter. So we took out the cutter. And he's started throwing around 95 to 97. Now he's 98 to 100. And while the fastball is still getting hit up a little bit, it always helps when you throw 98 to 100. And you have to be ready for the changeup. The changeup is disgusting. The slider is fantastic. So he can go away from lefties. He can go into lefties. He can do the same to righties. And when he's up in the zone with 99, it can be a dead zony fastball. Like it doesn't have so much induced vertical break. Like it's not a Spencer Strider level fastball. But at the end of the day, it's a hundred. And then when you have to get ready for three other off speed pitches that dip into the low 80s, he's got three different speeds. And the top speed is as elite as humanly possible. And when he's locating everything, we're seeing an ace in form. And that's what the Orioles need. But they already have a guy who's pitching at an ace level in Kyle Bradish. So this team <laughs> needed starting pitching. And they now have two ace-level pitchers right now. And you laugh about Kyle Bradish yeah, when he's sitting ace. with one of the – I would say ace. if you are top five in ERA in the American League, you are pitching at an ace level. Kyle Bradish, I mean, shit, dude, 133 and two-thirds. He's got a 303 ERA. 
better he's than kinda, Garrett Cole. He's kind of pitching at an ace level. Damn. He's no, I think, Cole, level. I think Cole is sub three now. I think Cole oh, is he? Oh, yeah, because an error got taken away from him, which helped him, I think. No, an Regardless. error. Yeah, an error was given, and that in turn create more unearned runs. And Cole, I think, is sub three now with Bradish at a 303. Fair. But he's right next to Garrett Cole. Ace level. And then you just said about Grayson, he's pitching at a 2-5 ace level. We see the stuff. Like when watching that start against the White Sox yesterday, I mean, he looked like the, it is the poverty White Sox. But let's not pretend that Grayson has had this easy ass schedule. No, he hasn't. Since he got called up, right? Yeah, he shoved against the White Sox, the Blue Jays, the Padres, the Astros, the Blue Jays again, the Yankees, who suck, the Rays, and the Dodgers. That's not an easy schedule either. And he is. Besides that start against the Dodgers, no more than three earned runs. And he allowed zero, three, one, two, three, zero, two, and then four. Going at least five innings, mostly six innings in every start. So, you know what I can really appreciate is that the strikeout numbers are not necessarily gaudy. But what is gaudy over the last five starts, like G-Rod in the minor leagues was 13 to 14 strikeouts per nine, which is unheard of and borderline unsustainable. Like it's, it's strider level strikeout numbers. Now can Grayson recapture that? Yes, he can. Is he ever going to be a seven and a half K's per nine guy? Absolutely not. G rod has way too good of stuff. He's always going to be striking out at least a hitter per inning, but at, at this rate, he's striking out nine and a half per nine, which is a little bit lower than I was expecting him to be at. But what I can really appreciate is he has limited the walks and his overall strike rate is very high. Since yes. he's come back. And when you have a hundred and you have all those complimentary off-speed pitches, like you're talking about living in the strike zone is just so important. And there are very few guys that throw a hundred with a true four or five pitch mix that can live in the strike zone. Like those are some of the best pitchers in baseball. Where does your mind go when I say that? Cause Strider's a two pitch guy. Um, I mean, McClanahan's got four that he'll turn to. Um, DeGrom, for the most part, is a two-pitch guy. I mean, it kind of gives me Zach Wheeler vibes. Wheeler is a good one. Honestly, Bueller-type vibes, too, because Bueller, like, while he's not 100, he's 95. He was there for a little bit. Yeah, in spurts. He was 5-6 to or 5-7, to and it was a five-pitch mix, and he was landing all of them for strikes. So it's a very unique cut. And, And I'm not saying you have to do this to be good, but if you do this, chances are you're really good. If you're going to throw 99 miles an hour and you have three plus breaking balls, you're going to do very well. Yes, yes. But that's the thing. is like he he became, I think he's now trusted in his stuff or he got some sort of injection of life because he was 95.4 miles an hour in that start against the Royals. He was 98.4 yesterday. Three miles an hour different on the fastball? What does that tell you? At least it tells me that he's fully healthy and that he trusts in his stuff. But I don't know, like three miles an hour. So was he sick that day against the Royals? But then he was getting bombed other starts too. It is not only refreshed, like your arm feels different on a day-to-day basis. And these guys are more in tune with their bodies than anybody else. 
it's not only physically refreshed, but it's mentally refreshed. And, and I'm sure he had a new level of confidence and he has a new level of confidence than what he had in that start. Before we jump to the next rookie. Pitch, also, yes. you got to be pretty confident when you see like the White Sox coming into town. Like, sure. This is yeah. where I get my shutout. <laughs> and you see Michael Kopech just yanking pitches that are high hopping past Corey Lee and you're scoring on wild pitches. You know, um, it's easier to pitch it when you have a six run lead. Facts. <laughs> I get it. Um, nine run we, lead. They won nine zero, by the way. I know they did. <laughs> before we jump to the next rookie pitcher, do you know who led all of Major League Baseball in whiffs yesterday? This guy had 20 whiffs. I'll tell you that John Gray had 19. Seve, Giolito, and Blake Snell had 15. But this guy had 20. Was it Kyle Harrison? No. Grayson? No. Reese Olsen against the New York Yankees. Yeah, I didn't watch the game. So I wouldn't have known. I was watching every other game because why the hell would I turn that game on? I love that for you. Um, Yesterday was Abbott and Harrison, which was very fun. And Harrison... Is a two-pitch guy right now. He threw, what, six change-ups? Yeah, he threw 91 70% fastballs, Jack. 70. 70% fastball, 25% slurve, and then he mixed in the occasional change. His four-seam fastball sat 94. His slurve, his sweeper, sat 83. In terms of whiffs, he got seven whiffs on the four-seam, four whiffs on the slurve, and a whiff on the change-up. What Kyle Harrison did yesterday to the Cincinnati Reds, and granted, the Cincinnati Reds are not hitting well at all right mm-hmm. now. And with McLean on the I.O. with that oblique thing, like that makes their lineup even more thin. And Jake Fraley hasn't been back in a while, and he was such a spark plug for them. Yep. But Harrison in six and a third innings, he threw into the seventh inning. Three hits, no runs, 11 punch outs, two walks, 91 pitches to get him into the seventh. I would have never guessed that Kyle Harrison could put together a line like that in 2023. Down the road, possibly. But yeah. this guy was walking seven hitters per nine innings in Sacramento. He looked lost at points. 11 punches and two walks, and he's throwing into the seventh inning. Wow. But here's why I think Kyle Harrison's going to kind of be a roller coaster, right, for the next month or so and then i think he'll figure it out next season and i think he'll be a good starter in major league baseball moving forward you talked about the walks right but no one on earth has ever doubted the stuff the fastball quality is excellent he gives me vibes from that low slot but it's rising on hitters kind of like a left-handed joe ryan in that sense you know how we go over some of the best pitches in baseball we did that at the beginning of the year and we're like at number three, Joe Ryan's fastball. And we sounded like it's idiots, 90. but the data backed it up, right? The run value on these pitches, it's so tough to time up, even though it's 92 to 93 for Joe Ryan. Comes from this slot, you might think it's sinking, but it ends up riding on you and it's blowing by hitters at 92. Now that's coming from the left side at 95. These guys look like they were seeing 105. It had so much giddy up on it. It was incredible. And then when he can mix in that slurve, like when he's throwing strikes, it's not strider level stuff, obviously. But you don't see 95 from a lefty from that angle almost ever. So it might not grade out as well as a strider. But it's got to look like something that they haven't seen for the first five months of the year. And they probably won't see much moving forward because what other lefty in Major League Baseball 
can do that to a fastball, right? Cole Reagans is a hundred for the Royals, but he's more over the top. It doesn't have that same induced vertical break where it just flies up at, at the top of the zone. So when he's throwing strikes, Jack, I wasn't surprised that he was able to put together an outing like that. The problem is, and what you're pointing to, is that the command hasn't been there for what seems like months. And then today it was, or yesterday it was, against the Reds. And then when it's there, people are like, oh, shit, he's the best pitching prospect in baseball. So, yes, he is better than D.L. Hall is. And and Hall is the last guy that we kind of had this conversation about. I think Cavalli was kind of in that conversation, too, because Cavalli – I I know you love how electric this stuff is. He just couldn't throw strikes. Cavalli, I, know, I, I fell in love with him at the Futures game because I always we go to the Futures game every year. And obviously, Jack and Arm are looking at prospects day in and day out when I am not. And so I have instant reactions from Futures games where I get to see one inning and I see like three pitches and I look over to Jack and Arm and be like, that's my guy. Wait, <laughs> so Kate Cavalli was my guy because he was 100 and it was easy. Shane Boz, one of my guys. You remember who your guy was this year? Mizorowski of the Brewers. No, I thought it was Lawrence Butler. Oh, well, he was offensively. But just if we're on the same side of pitching, okay. that 97 at the top of the zone from that arm slot, I looked yeah. over to you guys and was like, holy fuck, who is that? Yeah, Mizorowski's everybody's <laughs> guy from the Futures game. But yeah, um, but yeah, Lawrence yeah. Butler and Slash. Junior Caminero. Whole, oh, he yeah. was really my guy. He felt like a third baseman Jordan archetype. Yeah, it was fascinating. It was like yeah. creating a player. Yeah, if you move Jordan to third base. Um, no, man, but like Harrison, I, I just don't know what to expect on a nightly basis. So I think what I have to do for the sake of my mentals is I need to go into each Harrison start without any preconceived idea, without any expectation. And I, I can't sit here and be like, told you so, like told you the walk was coming. Like that, that's just not good for anybody because 11 punch outs in six in the third shutout is With one pitch is, basically is exactly what San Francisco needs. And oh, by the way, I know that you would love this guy. Um, Arm and I hit on him like so briefly on the call up because he, he is a rookie this year. And I think he might get some, you know, back of the ballot rookie of the year votes. Ryan Walker came out of the pen for Kyle Harrison and Ryan Walker has been amazing this year. And if you don't know who that is, it's funky arm slot from a righty, a 27 year old rookie in 36 appearances. He's kind of a swing man. He started 11 games, 48 and two thirds, a two, two, two ERA striking out 10 and a half per nine and walking two and a half per nine. Ryan Walker has been amazing this year. I'm smiling so big ear to ear because after we wrapped up on Kyle Harrison, I was going to say, did you see Ryan Walker do it again after he came in? We were on the same wavelength there. This guy has been one of the most fun under the radar relievers in Major League Baseball. Just some 27-year-old rookie that you click on this the stat line. You're like, oh, he's got a good ERA. But then you watch him and he's like, holy shit, this guy's coming at you from just this disgustingly awesome angle like i'm falling in love with these guys that it's just it doesn't look the same as anybody else in baseball and they have, just have this stuff that gets on you it must be so hard to pick it up from the box like in the off season, i'd love to get more hitters on especially in that west division and just ask them about these young like even bobby miller again had a kind of a rough start against diamondbacks but you can tell he's got ace level stuff it's just when he has it that day or not. Like we've seen with Grayson, right? He's had a couple of eight hit three earned outings 
against the Blue Jays, for example. But when they're on, they look amazing, amazing. And Ryan Walker's not a starter, but in the bullpen, that whole Giants bullpen has been so great this year. Yeah. And they're kind of the reason why they are still in the wild card hunt, because that starting rotation does not scream postseason. That lineup does not scream postseason, but their ability to win two nothing games, two one games has been so commendable. I don't know uh, if the laser beam is pointed at Earth. Give me Wilmer Flores. Seriously. Yeah, good I point. <laughs> Iguodala and Wilmer Flores is is a great very similar. The Martians have the death beam. By the way, the Yankees released Josh Donaldson. How do you feel about that? Great. It's a good okay. start. Uh, level of worry with the Texas Rangers is the second to last thing we want to hit on before we get to relievers on contenders. The Rangers have lost eight of 11. And since Friday the 18th, I want to say, not last Friday, but the Friday before, the Texas Rangers pitching staff has a 5.75 ERA while their offense has been middle of the pack in terms of team OPS. And it's fine that their offense has had a rough go of it for the last 10, 11 games. It's going to happen. They were so far and away the best offense in baseball for the first two months of the year. Like they're going to hit some snags. But what can't happen is the best offense in baseball hits a snag while the pitching doesn't back them up. That's not what World Series winning teams do. Pitching has to back up cold offense for two weeks. And that's not what's happening. And and I think I probably got in front of it before you guys did. Remember early last week, I said the Rangers, the the Mariners, I think are going to win the AOS. I'm just, I'm really concerned about the absence of Nate Eovaldi. Really concerned. And it sucks that it's actually coming to fruition right now, but... How concerned are you with Texas? Do you feel like they're, you know, hey, let's stop thinking about it. They're going to be a wild card team. We're good. No, I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. And I was going to go into the numbers and I was going to find the right answer, quote unquote, or at least what the data tells us. But then I thought to myself, dude, you watch Rangers games almost every day. They're one of my favorite teams to watch in Major League Baseball. They really are, especially early on in the season. I felt that every night I was turning on the Rangers game because this offense was a show. From 1-9, to from Marcus Semyon all the way to Leody Tavares, there was no breaks. But now there are. And you say the absence in A.D. Evaldi, while I think that's important, I actually think the starting pitching has been fine. It's been this offense. And it's also partly on the bullpen. But the biggest issue is what I thought was their biggest strength and something that would never falter. When I watch Rangers games earlier on the season, they could be losing three to zero in the fifth inning. And I have no worries because I know this team is going to put out a, a five spot. If they don't hit the starter, let's say he goes five innings. Any reliever they point out there, five spot. It's five, three going into seven. Then it's 5-4 because the bullpen gives up a run. Then it's 8-4, game over. They just barreled on you. Marcus Simeon got on first. Corey Seager hits a double. Nathaniel Lowe drives him in. There's two. Then or, then Adolis Garcia hits a home run. And you're just like, oh, shit. They just put up four runs without getting it out. That's not happening. Simeon is still doing his thing. Seager is still doing his thing. But Nathaniel Lowe feels like I'm watching him strike out every at-bat. And remember... I could give you the data. Like, maybe I'm wrong. But when I turn on the Rangers games, like I've said, this is what I see. Semyon gets on. Seager gets on. 
Nathaniel either strikes out or grounds out. Adolis Garcia strikes out. And then like Mitch Garver is the guy to drive them in. But then you look at down the lineup, and this is what made them so good, was Ezekiel Duran, Travis Jankowski, Josh Young, Leody Tavares. These guys were playing like all-star level calibers at the bottom, so there was no breaks. Those guys aren't anymore. So if Adolis and Nathaniel Lowe aren't getting this team going like they were, they're still doing fine, but not to the level that they were. This offense stalls, and they're losing a lot of four to three games, which is so unlike the Rangers, right? Like, for example, against that in that Mets game, right? We saw finally the offense kind of break out in the last inning, but it took them a really long long time. time, and they still only gave up three runs to the Mets, and they won four to three. I'm not used to four to three wins, four to three losses. I'm used to eight to four wins, nine, ten to four. There was a stretch there where they were scoring 10 every day. They're not doing that anymore. That's why I'm nervous about them because we already didn't think that they had incredible starting pitch and we already thought they didn't have incredible bullpen. If this offense doesn't show up, they are not as good as the Astros and they are not as good as the Mariners. They just aren't. But if it does, they can beat anybody on any given day. That's why I can't give up on them because I've seen that for so long. And if it kicks in at the end of September and they roll that into the playoffs, they're dangerous. So so now I ask you, you know, okay, say the offense doesn't come all the way back to that pre-All-Star break Texas Rangers offense that littered the All-Star roster. Um, I, I will take Seattle over a diluted Rangers offense. I will take Houston over a diluted Rangers offense. But the question becomes, do you take a diluted Rangers offense over the Toronto Blue Jays? Yeah, because their offense has been diluted all year. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I, I guess they the Blue still Jays have a better pitching. Punching? Blue Jays have better pitching and a better bullpen. Gosman, by the way, first AL pitcher to 200 punchouts this year. I think I saw, and he's 200 plus punchouts in each of the last three years. Gosman's really good, man. Blue Jays offense finally showed up for him. The he got the Gosman gave up three against the Nationals. Normally, that's game over. It's three one or three two. Blue Jays, how about it? Six to three win with Gossman on the mound? And without the most runs you've scored for him all year. And wasn't it without Bichette and without Chapman? Of course, without Chapman. But I think Chapman has been horrible. But he's on the IL. Yeah. Yeah. But like, honestly, that's not a bad hitter to get out of the lineup right now. Davis Schneider is better. 1,400 OPS, Davis Schneider. Um, And then Ernie Clement playing shortstop for them. So. Well, Bichette, hey. that's still a tough loss. It has not been on Bichette all year. It's been Vladdy, who ranks 129th out of 140 qualified hitters in terms of pitches per plate appearances. Swings at the first or second pitch every single time. I mean, how many times can you ground out on the first or second pitch, Vladdy, before you make an adjustment? It's August 30th. Be better. What's going on? Take a pitch. It infuriates me because we have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over 163 and a half hits in our season-long entry, to win over six grand, and he goes one for five every game. He gets a hit every game because there's one pitch that's going to be in the zone on the first or second. But if it's like a good pitch, he's grounding out. It's infuriating. Vladdy and Alejandro Kirk. I think Kirk has been like... Kirk has sucked. Yeah, the disappointment. So disappointing. Um, I was hoping Espinal was going to be better too, but Marshall's heating up though. He's Marshall is heating up. Yeah. By the way, I think I saw defensive runs saved. The three leaders are Key Brian Hayes, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Dalton Varsho. 
What a list. Those are all second generation big leaguers. Dalton's dad, Gary Varsho, huh. big leaguer. Fernando Tatis Jr., his dad, big leaguer. Key Brian Hayes, his dad, Charlie Hayes, big leaguer. I think guys with major league lineage just happen to be really good defenders. That kind of makes a lot of sense. And if I'm not mistaken, Bobby Wood Jr. is four? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Another second generation major leaguer. So, Well, Bo Bichette is at the bottom. Dante Bichette. Dante, what was it? Dante had like 40 a, pumps in a year at Coors, and he had a minus two B-War. Yeah, he never taught Bo to defend, but damn, can Bo hit. Let's see. Dante Bichette, 40 homers and 128 driven in in 1995. His war in 95, 1.2. You should okay. have more than that. 1.2 it's war. Higher than, Vla- higher than Vladdy's war this year. It is. You're right. You make a great point. Um so that's what we got going on here. I want to wrap with a great thing that Leo Morgenstern put together at JustBaseball.com. We will link the article in the episode description, but he power ranked the best reliever from every contending team. And his criteria was one reliever per team. So you weren't going to get two Mariners. You weren't going to get two Rangers or two Brewers, anything like that. Um, and you're also going to get a guy from each team within three games of a postseason berth so he separated them into the american league and the national league the al he had seven guys yes he did um so just going to run you through seven to one in the american league and then we'll do nine to one in the national league number seven in the american league he had jordan romano with the blue jays sporting a two and a half era at this point looked really good out of the bullpen number six he's got brian abreu who i think is the most underrated reliever in baseball this guy has been amazing and he's never going to relinquish that closer job to presley because presley has seniority over abreu but abreu is unfucking believable he is uh, unfucking believable but like so is presley I yeah i know what the astros are doing like Let i me. agree with you i am a i am a brian abreu guy i have him on my fantasy team i don't even know if he gets that many points but i just love seeing his face there because i'm like so i got good. hit with the bullpen <laughs> even though it's fantasy so team good. yeah but like so many holds Get a good so setup guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, number five. But Presley, Gen- Presley, I would put Presley in the close role too. I would. He's such a dog. He is. He's such a dog. Abreu. But Abreu is the better reliever statistically this year, and that's why he's number six. Number five is Yenier Cano, the Baltimore Orioles. Bautista would be a clear-cut number one. Bautista is now hurt. So Leo, factor that in. Cano, five. Andres Munoz with the Mariners, four. Munoz has taken over the closer role, looked awesome. I wouldn't have Munoz this high. Really? No, I would probably prefer Cano, and I'd probably prefer Abreu, honestly. Munoz Munoz can get a little sketchy. I disagree. I love Munoz in that closer role. I love Munoz, too, but he can get a little sketchy. Whatever you say, man. Uh, Pete Fairbanks in Tampa is three. He's a Yo, fucking train engine. He's a dog. He's a dog. And he's so honest at his post-game press conference. <laughs> I love He used to be my mortal enemy because his first name is Peter. Yeah. And my name is Peter. And he's on the Rays. And I'm a Yankee fan. So I coined him as my mortal enemy. But every single time I hear him talk, I like him more. So I, he's not really my mortal enemy. Anymore. And his Instagram handle is Pete AF. Which yeah, like, I, I, I love understand it's Fairbanks, but like as fuck too. Uh, Joan Duran is two. Araldis Chapman is one based on what he's done this year. But I, I want to get into that top seven here because Chapman, while he has had the best year, right? He's striking out 16 and a half per nine. I, I saw the splits 
in save situations versus non-save situations. He's Mariano Rivera in non-save situations. But in save situations, it's kind of been tough sledding for him this year, I think. Just to add context to that, this is from our guy at Yankee World, WRLD Addison. Stud. Love this guy. On Twitter, our oldest Chapman this year in non-save situations. And now this was posted August 27th. I assume it was posted at 521 p.m. I don't know if he caught that blow up against the Twins where he did allow a run. But and he hasn't pitched since then in non-safe situations 27 and 2 thirds 0.98 ERA in save situations 4.35 ERA in 20 and 2 thirds and the walk numbers 2.93 walks per 9 in non-safe situations 7.84 in save situations so all those problems that we have with Kyle Harrison's command Aroldis Chapman has all of them in save situations. Putting him at one, Leo, we got to be better than that. And I love Leo. And the stats back up what Leo is saying. But holy shit, no way do I want him in a save situation over every single name that you said. Seriously. But then there's sometimes, though, there's sometimes where Aroldis Chapman's got it and he looks like the greatest reliever I've ever watched. Yeah, I'm saying that quietly because it's it's a show. That was early on. That's when they first got him. That first outing that he came out, he came out. I was like, that was better than anything I've ever seen in my life watching you on the Yankees, and better than anything I've seen on the Reds either. He's 103 painting. There, there were a, a couple dirty slider. I'm like, holy shit! From the left side, he's got this new leg lift, and he's just firing away. With his six foot eleven, four hundred pound all muscle body, I don't think he's six eleven, four hundred pound. They tracked him that day, I think. Oh, is that true? They yeah, he shrank again, but that day he was six drug test. Yeah, he was six eleven, four hundred pounds. All gotcha. Good to note. Um, Chapman. There were some Reds Chapman outings where I was like, I think you're the best baseball player (laughs) God's ever created. I know. (laughs) So (laughs) they're really where I saw him at Great American Ballpark. Uh, when he was on the Reds and he came out, it was like the fire in the background and just the way he was galloping. I was like, where'd you get this centaur from? <laughs> <laughs> he gets on the mound sitting 104. Yeah. Reds Chapman, different beast. Um, like, like I just shriveled up and I was in the stands. <laughs> can imagine being a lefty. I love how high Fairbanks was on this list because Fairbanks like does not have the sex appeal of 103 from Andres Munoz, but Fairbanks has just been so consistent, man. And you always hear about the bad outings from him because he's so brutally honest and like post game media availability, like, and that's when he goes viral. But um, yeah, man, I, I think, I, I think Fairbanks is really good. I am a little worried about Cano in a closer role. I am. Cause again, there. I saw this guy be not good in AAA last year. It's more than fair. He was terrible for the Twins. He was a throw-in in that trade. Yes. Um, jumping to the National League, and we'll kind of go guy by guy here. Number nine, Alexis Diaz of the Cincinnati Reds. My issue with Alexis Diaz, and it's not even Alexis Diaz's fault, like his numbers don't look quite as good. I mean, he's still got a two two nine ERA, and he's got a two eight nine expected ERA. He pitches every day. His arm must yeah. be falling off at this point. He and Jabot, he and Ian Jabot throw 
every day for Cincinnati. every day. Like, what am I going to blame you for throwing like seven innings a week as a reliever? So, like, I kind of have to throw the numbers because if like a fully healthy Alexis Diaz is a top five closer in baseball, I will stand on that. Yeah. Um, and his slider has been amazing this year. But yeah, yeah he's I, he might Same just be slot. tired as shit. Same arm slot. Joe Ryan, Kyle Harrison, the three quarters where it just rides up on you, but it's not that fast. But dudes are just blown away. It looks like they were hitting the chest by a cannon. Dude, it's it's the same slot as Big Bro. And Big Bro, while Big Bro has 101 and Diaz has 99. Um, Big I, miss Bro, I miss Edwin Diaz so much. Big Bro's slider is one yeah. of the most devilishly awesome pitches in baseball. And Little Bro's slider is kind of there, too. Facts. So. Number eight's Adbert Alzali, and I know that I sung this guy's praises a couple weeks ago as like, hey, the Cubs found their closer. Cubs found their closer, man, and this guy does not allow walks. Ever. Out of nowhere, he was a starting pitcher that I was like really excited when he came back from injury. I was like, can't wait to see Alzali in this rotation again. And then it was, he's a middle reliever. What what are we doing? We're capping him. And now he's a closer, and I'm like, I kind of love that you made this move to the pen, man. I love the way he works the ninth inning. Beat me. I dare you. He's I love that from a closer. It's not this fucking bullshit where it's like, oh, first runner on, it's a walk. Then it's like three and one, three and two. Then he gets the K, another walk, first and second, ground out, then a fly out to end it. And you're just on pins and needles. Bang, 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 sit down, game over. Love it. He has very low stress ninth innings. I agree with you. Put your head on a pillow. Alzalize in the ninth. We're good. That's why, you know, someone uh, commented on mind. He's like, for the podcast, is Albert Alzalai a top five closer? I'm like, we need a much larger sample size. Much These guys have been doing it for so long. But then I did say right now, there's not that many closers in baseball that I want right now closing out the ninth. Right now. Other than Albert Alzali. Other than Al- Albert Alzali. Yeah. It's so low stress, and he never pulls a save. It's yeah. just bang, bang, bang. No, I think I think in terms of low stress, best version of David Bednar is up there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why I love Bednar. Yeah. Not, it's just 95, and it's beat me. Honestly, and then sometimes think, it gets beat, but at least it's not fucking walks. Yeah. Honestly, I think it might be Bednar. Classe is pretty low stress, too. Uh, not, this really not this year. Not this year. I mean, He's pissed me off all year. Got you. Um, all right, number seven, Camilo Doval in San Francisco. Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh that that one's for the YouTube crowd. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> okay. Evan Phillips. <laughs> Evan Phillips with the Dodgers is six. Phillips. He's very good. I mean, dude, if Fairbanks is underrated, Phillips is like, who is that guy? Will Smith. I thought, I think it was Ethan Badowski in in our big group text. He said, Will Smith might be like the least known superstar in baseball. Like if you went up to a random baseball fan and you said, you know, showed him a headshot of Will Smith. Do you know who this is? Like this guy works in my office. Yeah. It's like, oh, (laughs) finance, bro. Yeah. Like um, him, Kyle Tucker is like an underrated superstar, but Evan Phillips, when you look at underrated, like, best closers in the game or best relievers in the game, Evan Phillips is totally there. Absolutely. Shoves. Kind of boring. He's not 
Camilo Duvall with a hundred slider, but he's still good. He's very there are good. a lot of baseball fans that if you gave them a headshot of Evan Phillips, they would have no idea who it is. No, I barely know who it is. I mean, I watch him every day, and that's that goes to show you. Yeah, just generic. I'm like yeah. Vesia, and then I black out, and the game's over. I'm like, oh, okay, word. <laughs> and then Ferguson is it. He's like yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Paul Seawald with the Diamondbacks is five in the National League oh, for Leo. No shot. Yeah. Okay. So you don't like him? No, I like him. He's just not that high. No shot. So I, you think Phillips is better? Obviously, you think Camilo Duvall would smoke that clown. Okay. Clown is too hard, harsh of a word. That just goes to show I love Camilo Duvall. I've, I would take all of the names you have said so far over Paul Seawald. I like Paul Seawald. He deserves to be nine. Five, Leo. What are we doing? <laughs> Here's another crazy one. Tanner Scott at four, but Tanner oh, Scott actually Tanner Scott's been buzz. awesome. Buzz. Yes. Uh, the stats back that up, but come on, Leo. What are we just doing? An ERA <laughs> ranking? Back this up. He's doing a statistical ranking, which I really it, appreciate. It, and and I he love is right. Ranking. He is right. He's on right. stats. But like bravado and X dog in him. But yeah, Apple I Scott test. over Camilo Duvall. Apple I test respectfully eat shit, Leo. <laughs> no, my Apple stat cast is undefeated. Got it. Got it. Uh, number three, Jose Alvarado with the Phillies. Alvarado has been amazing. One, two, four ERA, gents. And ladies. Oh, oh, that's what I got to say about him. It's Rice. awesome. It's 99 with sink and cut. Oh, Rysel Iglesias is two. Mm, no. Iglesias. Good. Yes. This is all. This could go from one. This could go from nine to one. You might as well flip it on its head right now. But who's one? Devin. Yeah. He's the amazing. Ghost, the ghost change up. He'll win reliever of the year. Who wins? One of, it's, it's one of the best pitches from a relief ever. pitcher ever. Ever. I mean, it's Hoffman's changeup, Trevor Hoffman. It's Mariano's Got cutter, it. obviously. Most cutters on a different level. But I, I would say Moe's cutter and then Hoffman's changeup, Chapman's fastball. Billy Wagner's fastball, too. Yeah, but Chapman's is different. Beast. No, I agree. I agree. Um, And then I guess like right under that is is Devin's change. What about Eric Gagne's fastball when he was all roided up? Yeah, Gagne was <laughs> nuts. Nutso. So, who else? Who, we else is, who else is in that conversation? There's got to be. Goose Gossage had something. Rich, I don't know. Um, Eckersley probably had something. Lee Smith Slider. had something. Um, but yeah, nah. man, Devin Devin's change is like it's sometimes like crack. I sometimes when it. I'm having a bad day, I'm just like a Billy Wagner highlights. Oh, okay, just so be right my, back up. You know what my bad day YouTube go is, right? Well, it, it's changed for you. It's not always the same. No, it's always been the same. Who is it then? Since like 2010, it's been the same. What, you just watch like Mark Burley? Like... No. Andrelton Simmons Braves highlights. Oh, yeah. That's, a good that's what I do. Andrelton Simmons Braves highlights. That's my that's my comfort video. Just to wrap the show, you know Elvis Andrews has more career hits than Freddie Freeman? Well, Andrews has been at it for a billion years, right? Not that much longer. Andrews, Andrews had a couple of years. Didn't he hit like 320 one year in Texas? Let's pull that up and then take us out. Uh, Elvis yeah. Andrews. Um, let's see. Yeah, I know he got to 2000. Yeah, 2016. career 270 hitter. Andrews is 34 years old. Yeah. He debuted like 32. Elvis I mean, obviously, Freddie's better, but I didn't know that. I learned that a couple days ago. 
Andrews has only hit over 300 once in his life. It's kind of like Starling Castro. Just so many hits, and you're like, when do they happen? Yeah, and they don't really walk, so I don't know, you just get a ton of at-bats. Yeah, it's fascinating. All right, take us out. <laughs> and that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it. And if you did, if you could rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and comment anything that you thought was asinine that came out of our mouths. Or if you agreed with anything, or just stuff that you want to hear moving forward, we'd greatly appreciate it. And if you do feel so kind, if you could go get yourself some Just Baseball merch, it's kind for yourself too. The hats are awesome. The shirts are awesome. And there's so many other things. Just go check out the merch store and let us know what you like, what you don't like. Our DMs are open. And support our partners, whether it be Alt, all you card collectors out there. The link is in the episode description. And of course, all you gamblers out there. Playoffs are coming up. Football's coming up. And on BetMGM, it's all right there in the episode description. Code just baseball. We'll be back tomorrow. That's Jack. I'm Peter. And with that, thank you, everybody.